0: And welcome from the set of the CBS Sports HQ set here in New Orleans. I am Matt Norlander. This is the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Kyle Boone, look at this beautiful man. He is joining me. Where's Gary Parish? Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. The Ion College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's, proud sponsor of the Naismith Award. Jersey Mike's would like to offer their congratulations to all the athletes on the watch list. There will be the Jersey Mike's Naismith Award announcement coming quite soon. Hello from the set. We are doing a different kind of podcast here for this Friday. If you're listening, thank you as always listening. If you are watching on YouTube, please... Gently tap the like button or hit it, massage it, smash it, whatever you'd like to do, please feel feel free to do so. No GP, but KB is here because listen, CBS Sports Network, he's got a lot to do. We couldn't get him down here. I wanted my man on set. I wanted the I wanted the three-way right here on the on the HQ set. But GP, we got the open practices. I got to run over. Kyle's got to run over, go to the stadium in a little bit, to see all the press conferences, all that good stuff there. But we have. No shortage of stuff to talk about. If you want to leave a comment, a question in the chat, I do have it up here on my computer. We got people wondering if Parrish has been arrested. I can tell you that he has not. Although, and we'll talk Laval Jordan in just a second here. We socialized a bit last night. You got out on sure the town? Yeah. Okay. Did we see Gary Parrish? No Gary Parrish to be seen. No Nowhere. Gary Parrish. Nowhere. I have not yeah. seen him yet since I've gotten to mm-hmm. New Orleans. He's no. here. That's the rumor. So we here. Yes. Yes. But we do have
1: at least one we have the requisite bald person on set, so I'm happy to <sighs> represent. That's fair. the Short Kings and the Bald Kings. Yeah. <laughs> here in New Orleans. Uh we had a great night last night. We went to a little place called Peche. Yeah. Peche. Good times. Uh, big 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 time. Some dinner. really good seafood. Um some hush puppies. Man, it was it, it was, was some good. S- and yeah.
0: and Yeah. Sam Vecini ate with us. He did. Yes. He's actually underneath this desk right now. We'll, no, no, not Sam. No, not yet. Not yet. All right, let's talk breaking news. If you're watching live on YouTube, it's breaking specifically. Um, we're going to get into the Final Four. We're going to pick our games. We're actually going to talk about our All American teams, our our season ending awards at CBSSports.com as well. But shortly before we were scheduled to go on the air a few minutes ago, Butler fired Laval Jordan, so he is out. Why today? Well because today is the day that Laval Jordan's buyout dropped significantly. And so it's kind of a rough deal overall because that staff, and I'd actually been talking with uh, members of that staff in recent days and recent weeks, they had just been waiting and waiting and they weren't sure whether or not Laval was going to be safe. You know, they basically were hoping to get through final four weekend, maybe to buy Monday. And if that were to happen, he'd be safe. Not the case whatsoever. Uh, Little bit of a rough look for Barry Collier. Some Butler fans, I understand you're gonna be you're gonna be happy about this because, you know, the program in recent seasons, I, I get all that. But uh, Laval Jordan was eighty-seven and seventy-three past two seasons, ten and fifteen, COVID year, and this past season fourteen and eighteen. But he did have that team clearly on pace to make the tournament in twenty twenty, had it not been canceled and had him to the tournament in his first year there. Your initial reactions off of Laval being out at Butler, how surprising and, you know, what do we, what do we think is next here?
1: Not totally surprising. Uh, two consecutive losing seasons, uh, five years where he went 83 and 74, following in Chris Holtman's footsteps, a very underrated coach, I might add. Yes. Chris Holtman, uh, who was 70 and 31 before he got plucked by the Buckeyes. So some high standards at Butler. And I, and I think you know, there were some circumstances where maybe Laval Jordan didn't get enough opportunity, but it's a, it's a very proud program. They should be consistently having winning seasons and consecutive losing seasons. Um, yeah. I, th- I think, you know, this was kind of expected.
0: Yeah. I, uh, to a certain, I agree with you. It's more expected than not, but there still was a curiosity and, and weirdly enough. I mean, th- on Thursday, we had all these press conferences with the teams, So Mark Emmert, spoke Dan Gavitt was there and so most of the members of the selection committee were actually in the room at the Caesar Superdome Butler athletic director Barry Collier was there I was actually talking with uh, with Jeff Goodman and I was like should we go up and ask him if he's going to fire Laval Jordan tomorrow now we didn't do that but I, I was seriously considering doing it because again the buzz behind the scenes had been growing for this um so he's out uh, by my count, this is now the 50th job across men's D1 that has opened with Butler coming open here. And I got, I've got, i got a few names, including the name that I think is actually going to get the job, but some names to consider. I'll give you five of them. Yeah. I gave you three on HQ, and I've got two more that I, that I toss out. Uh, long shot, but maybe someone that I might get a look, is John Gross. Um, I wonder if Ronald Norad... Will get an interview. Former Butler player has, you know, coached in the G League and been involved in that side of it, and has interviewed in men's Division One for jobs there in recent years. Ronald Norred might be your your deep sleeper there. Uh, Three other candidates to consider: Drew Valentine at Loyola Chicago. Now he just finished his first year. He got him to the tournament. He's a he's a star. He's a coaching star on the rise. Don't know if this will happen. Immediately, but I, I do think that he'd be one under consideration. Maybe Mark Schmidt at St. Bonaventure. Mm-hmm. Another name. Those are four. But the name that I actually think is gonna get it, and I, I've 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 seen uh, the chat right now. God bless the chat. Brad Stevens the butler. I'm actually Brad Stevens is not gonna be one of my five names. I was
1: gonna throw it in.
0: I really was. Brad Stevens is not one of the five names, although you want to talk about an all-time stunner, stunner. Not Brad Stevens. Jeff Bowles at Ohio. Yeah. Here's, I talked to a few sources. Here's what I actually think is going to happen. Thad Mata, I think, might transition into the athletic department because there's been some buzz about Thad Mata. Would he be the guy to get the Butler job? I actually think there's a good chance that he transitions to work for Butler, but not as the head coach. And then Bowles, who's a former assistant under Thad Mata, jeff Bowles is your next head coach at butler that's my guess as of today to me and in talking to sources he would be the leading candidate to get the butler job we'll see what plays out over the next day or two four five six days it's certainly going to be uh be pretty interesting before we get to all american teams any other thoughts on jeff Bowles? any other candidates on uh On the butler job as the news breaks here on Friday morning. The chat
1: already took my Brad Stevens uh drop, but I you know I guess he's probably comfortable what he's doing with the Celtics. I can't imagine he'd leave. In all seriousness, there's there's no chance. But gosh, I love the Brad Stevens chatter. Just never ends.
0: Exactly. Fantastic. Listen, the chat is not is not exactly eager on the Laval stuff. It's breaking news, and I'm giving you intel. What else do you want from me? We will talk Final Four and we will talk matchups, but I also want to talk about Our all american teams our player of the year um because this is a friday show and you know what that means are your go-to game day foods feeling uninspired next time skip the usual suspects and order jersey mike's at jersey mike's they make every sub to order with premium fresh sliced meat and cheese steaks are cooked on a flat top grill download their app for delivery curbside or in-store pickup jersey mike's is a proud sponsor of the naismith award and a proud maker Of a sub above we'll have the naismith award announced here in short order not on the pod just generally speaking there and i think there's a decent chance a better than decent chance kb that the winner is the player that we picked to win national player of the year so if you're listening to the pod and you're unaware of it these went public they went live on the site on thursday you want to tell the people our national player of the year our national coach of the year and our national freshman of the year kyle boone so our national
1: player of the year for this year, Kentucky's Oscar Sheehy. No surprise. I think we were all in agreement that was. It was my vote. Was it your vote? That was my vote. He was number one. Um, our coach of the year, Kelvin Sampson, Houston. My vote. Not,
0: not my vote, but not not I'm vote. not. I'm not opposed to. It. I voted for okay. Ed Cooley. Okay. Yeah. Ed Cooley was actually my vote, and yeah. uh, Kelvin Sampson was on my ballot and absolutely deserving of it. No doubt about it. Tough call, I maintain. This was one of the toughest national coach of the year races and one of the best ones uh, that we've had. But I actually, I voted for Ed Cooley. Okay, He was second on my list, so I respect that. Uh, Freshman of the year,
1: I voted for Chet Holmgren. I did not. I'm going to guess he probably
0: voted for Paolo Bancaro. I did. Paolo Paolo Bancaro is CBS Sports' national freshman year. So, again, Kentucky's Oscar Sheboy, our national player of the year. Kelvin Sampson, our national coach of the year, and yes, Paolo Bancaro, because of what he's been able to do in this NCAA tournament, yeah. got it over the top for me. I went Bancaro, Chet, Jabari Smith. Yeah. Th- that was my one, two, three, and it was only it was a, it was a three player race for a national freshman of the yeah. year. But because Bancaro's been so good in the tournament, Duke's made a Final Four. Evaluating the season to this point, mm-hmm. that's why, and again. We don't do our voting at the end of the regular season. We don't do it at the end of the conference tournaments. We wait until after the regional finals. And so Carroll like, Shibway wasn't hurt by not advancing in the tournament. Yeah. But Calvin Sampson, I don't know if he wins our national coach of the year if we if we vote, you know, the day after Selection Sunday. He might. I don't yeah. know if he does. By getting Houston to an Elite Eight, pushes him over the edge. Carroll same way. Uh, what was your... What was your ballot for your top three for player of the year coach of the year and freshman of the year in order player of the year, my
1: ballot, Oscar Shibway, Keegan Murray from Iowa. What he did down the stretch was, was really impressive. then Johnny Davis from, from Wisconsin. I think to me, that was a pretty clear cut, easy decision, Davis and, and Murray flaming out early in the NCAA tournament gave me some pause, um, and i I really wanted to consider Ochai Abaji, but he, he was really, on my list. yeah, and he hasn't he had a great season, but the Instant boy tournament he's just been a really good player, but not a great player. um Had he gone kind of super, supernova like he has all season, maybe I'd have thrown him in there, but he would, he just missed for me. I went
0: Shibwe, Davis, Abaji. Keegan was just off. So on my yeah. top three. But it was it was yeah. it was close. But Shiboy it's got it's gotta be Shiboy. He was uh he was an absolute beast, he was a monster. Finished as the first player in more than four decades, averaging better than 15.0 rebounds per game. He was at seventeen point four points, fifteen point two rebounds, obviously led the nation there. Also averaged one point eight steals per game and one point six blocks per game. We also have our three All America teams. So I want to give recognition mm. to those players. As well, unless, KB, do you want to read them off? Let's do it. Do you want to read off our All-American teams, first, second, and third team? I'll go first team. You go second team, and I'll read third team. Look at this guy Mm. producing in real Mm. time. So first team,
1: my man Johnny Davis. Ochaik Bhaji did make my first team All-American list. Drew Timmy, Sweet Feet, Keegan Murray, and Oscar Shibwe. That was our first team.
0: That was my first team. And our first team. And our first team. Our second team All-Americans, Colin Gillespie, Paulo Bancaro, Jaden Ivy, Chet Holmgren, and then we heard you, Illinois fans. Kofi Coburn was on our second team. I think I don't know this for certain with the way the voting broke down, but I feel like Coburn was the first guy off the first team list. He was just like he had really good stats there, Mm -hmm. but he was the he it was second team, Gillespie, Coburn, Bancaro, Ivy, Holmgren, third team. So I'm I'm gonna read my third team. You read your, your YouTube, third team list yeah. and I'll tell you where yeah. it differs from what we have tell, overall. T-
1: tell me how wrong I am. Yeah. yeah. I had Colin Gillespie on third team. I know, I'm sorry, Villanova fans. I had David Roddy, third team. Ooh. EJ Liddell was on my third team. Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler.
0: Were so on my third I team. voted I didn't have Jabari Smith first, second, or third team. I voted Walker Kessler because I yeah. thought in total on the whole, what Walker yeah. Kessler was, I, I it was literally between, you know him and Smith and I couldn't split it there. You went with both our official third team at CBS sports, Benedict Matherin from Arizona, EJ Liddell from Ohio state, Jabari Smith did make it over Walker Kessler, James Akinjo from Baylor, and then deservedly. So Armando Baycott from North Carolina, yep. again, tournament play can have an influence on our voting. Yep. He made the, uh, he made the third team all American. If you're watching on YouTube in the chat, there's a fellow here coming to take a photo of us as we pot in real time. How are we doing, buddy? Hey, you uh, hey, what which which did we get the most wrong? Which player that isn't on a first, second, or third team do you most disagree with? Or is there a player that was on a first team or a second team or a third team that you thought should have been on another one? I'm willing to hear your opinions and your feedback on that. But those are our overall All-American awards there. What about it, Nada? What's, what's the big one? with was what, what what about Baycott? We got people that are pushing back. Oh, first or second team. Okay. Nada's yeah. telling me in my ear that Baycott not... First of all, Armando Baycott has no claim to be a first-team All-American this season. It is a no. season-long award. He was really, really good. In fact, I'm here to hear your case about if he should have gotten ACC Player of the Year over Alondis Williams. But even that's a little bit of a tough call. Baycott was not in the conversation for first-team. Second-team, I'll hear it for sure. To this point, yes, but third team i don't have too much of a too much of an issue with it no jaime haquez we're getting some pushback on uh, uh, he frankly he was not under consideration
1: to make my list he was not for me either and, I, and it was more like a do you go johnny juzang or jaime haquez they were both really good just kind of split the vote neither um yeah, I, I didn't think he was heads, head and shoulders above a little anyone tough. on that you team.
0: yeah by the way i gotta say as we do this we can loosen up on this because we're doing this on this HQ set. This is this is a bizarre podcasting experience for me, but I love it. <laughs> Got the we, we're on Fulton Street in New Orleans. You know, every 15 minutes for some reason, cars start just honking. Don't know why, but this is kind of cool. I hope you are enjoying watching in real time, getting plenty of pushback on the Baycott stuff. It wasn't a first team All American. I don't know what to tell you. He was really, really good. He wasn't one of the five best, most important players in the country this season. He now, was he, close. He might be on like an all tournament team. I mean, oh without he, a doubt. Almost, he's been one certain. of the five most important players in the tournament. But yes. again, yeah, we start, yeah, we start the tracking the first day of the season all the way to the end. He yeah. had to be on our all-American list. And I put him third team, but he was like, I can't remember my exact ballot. He would he just lost out. He might have just lost out to Chet, I think. Yeah. You know, between the two. I had Timmy in there as well. So that's something else to. uh, I think that's the right call. Yeah. All right. It's time to talk. It's time to talk Final Four. Time to talk matchups. We had press availability on Thursday. We will have more later in the day. Um, Heard all the coaches, all the players, Villanova, Kansas, North Carolina, Duke. Uh, Thursday is just a day to kind of, you know, wade into it gently. Today will be more expansive media availability. Players will have breakout sessions which basically means you know the press will be able to go and it's not just them sitting at a podium you get to kind of talk, talk to them face to face coaches have longer press conferences we'll wait and see what Jay Wright, Bill Self, Mike Krzyzewski, Hubert Davis have to say one of the uh, the interesting moments for me on Thursday was when I don't know if you heard the clip or not someone asked Hubert Davis how it felt You know this idea that north carolina is a cinderella did you see that clip north carolina yeah it's a tough scene cinderella
1: just the the lowly underdog tar heels
0: carolina
1: picking themselves up by them bootstraps and i i love yeah
0: i loved (laughs) hubert's response because he was basically like i don't know what that means it's a north carolina we've made 21 final fours i understood the premise of the question it's the idea that it's the lowest seeded team You know, Duke's played as well as anyone in this tournament. And if there could ever be a team that's considered the longest shot to win, I guess it's Carolina. Villanova doesn't have Justin Moore. We'll wait and see on that. And we'll talk about that game in just a second here. Um, On the Duke side, I got to say, as someone who's been at every Shashevsky press conference over the past five weeks, uh, he seemed like low key in a weird way. And, you know, he's every other press conference I've been to this point, Shashevsky has been. You know, he's been giving off a certain enthusiasm. He has also really been kind of soaking in this final tour of everything. Yesterday, you know, I don't know if it was just, you know, because they had just worked out or about to, but he he was giving off just a, a chiller, chiller vibe. I'll be interested to see what he and the players, uh, how they present themselves later today. Um, no one's talking about this Duke North Carolina game, so we're going to do that right here on the pod. You know, uh, we're going to you do- know.
1: This is the first time Duke know.
0: and North Carolina
1: have ever played each other in the NCAA tournament. I 250, know. 257
0: times. All right, I'm going to ask a question to the live chat right now. Right. It's the listeners. If you're listening, you know, on your daily run, jog, ride to the store, you can find us and give feedback. I'm, I am curious from the fan perspective, are you appreciating, are you liking, because we're really like we're, we're on the day before these games are going to get played. And, you know, we've talked to we podcasted on and I have a huge deep dive on Mike Krzyzewski that published on Thursday and basically his maniacal work ethic and the process like after for 45 plus years after every game, Mike Krzyzewski goes and watches the tape with his staff for two, three, sometimes six hours. They've You know, I, I was able to talk to. Steve Wojciechowski, Chris Collins, Mike Bray, Jay Billis, and I talked to John Shire about all this as well. I do encourage you to go read it because I do. Th- I tried to write something that was fresh, different, not easy when you're talking Mike Krzyzewski and everything's been written about this guy. But I, I hope I tapped into something that uh, will give you a bit more insight because, uh, frankly, like it's ridiculous uh, how great his work ethic has been and how it just hasn't changed. It's a long buildup. I am curious if all of this Duke Carolina talk, if it's too much for you, or if you're or if you're just loving it, you're ensconcing yourself like it's velvet in this. Are you are you appreciating this? Because we are trying to give good due to Villanova and Kansas as well. Um, but I mean, to me, it almost feels like we can't talk about Duke Carolina enough because these are, again, as I said on the Wednesday show, KB, these are these are the glory days. The fact that we that we are able to. Live in this moment right here, right now, and get this game. And again, it's the very fact that it's not just that it's them in the in the tournament for the first time together. It's they're doing this and like Kay's about to get off the escalator and yeah. Hubert just hopped on. Yeah. And they're passing like this, and this is the spot they're doing it. It's pretty cool. I'm gonna give you the floor. Talk to me. Any angle, what you love about this game, this matchup, all of it. Let's hear it, KB. Let the people know yeah. What's that meme?
1: Uh, there's there's like a girl and she's like, why am I cl- crying in the club yeah. right now? Like, that's how I feel about like being in Nor- New Orleans for this. This is really special. Uh, to be here to watch Coach K's maybe last game tomorrow or maybe last game on Monday. Uh, to see kind of the end of an era of Duke basketball is pretty cool. Um, I mean, as far as the Duke North Carolina game, I'm I'm really interested and in, I think probably a lot of other draft Knicks are interested too. Is mm-hmm. How does, how does A.J. Griffin look in this game? Because he was the difference maker when they first played in, in round one, had 27 points, and Duke blew the doors off of North Carolina. The second game, five points, Leaky Black was all over him, and North Carolina blew the doors off of Duke. Um, it's weird to think about A.J. Griffin, a former five-star recruit, yeah. as an X-factor but this Duke team is so stacked between Palo Bancaro, Mark Williams, Jeremy Roach, Wendell Moore it, it feels like he's going to end up being the difference maker in this game. Um, I know you mentioned this earlier in the week, but they've had so much good balance from their the top of their roster that you know it almost feels like they're thanosing everyone It's just like they're yeah, inevitable. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious to see if they can keep this going, because obviously North Carolina had their number the last time they met. How, does it, how do they stack up against each other this time? Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All the best from Big Beats. I want to provide for our our viewers on YouTube. If you have not already hit the like button, please do. I'm literally going to do it right now. I just did it. If I can do it, you can do it too. Um, When GP and I do this, we don't often get into the actual, you know, breaking down the game, assessing what's happening. Again, there's a man just off camera. I, I, he might be taking a video. What's up, dude? How we doing? There we go. Nice. It's casual. It's casual. It's, we're doing a casual podcast out here. Side note. I had to do a hit. I've been doing hits with Avery Johnson on this set. Man of the people from this area. They love Avery Johnson here. Love. I was doing hits yesterday, trying to talk through Justin Moore not playing for Villanova. And I got people over here just yelling for Avery. We're on set. We're live. And they're just yelling. They they want a picture with them. Incredible. It's going to get even more incredible later on today as more people filter through. We're starting to see more and more fans. Last night, you got a little of it. You know, went around. It was more, more, you know, coaches. Went to a few parties. Just saw more people in the industry. Friday will be the day where the fans really take over New Orleans. Point I'm making is that We'll we'll, we'll do a little game breakdown here for you. You know, now that we're a day out, we'll give our assessments of how we think this game should play out, will play out with both of these. So I'll pivot. We'll go Kansas-Nova first, and then we'll give our predictions and our expectations for Duke and North Carolina. No Justin Moore. I've talked to, I don't know, six or seven coaches at this point that have played Villanova, familiar with Villanova, Um, and they've echoed the point that I made, and I think I made this on the Wednesday show, if there is one coach and there's one program that can overcome losing a player of more value, I do think it's Villanova. Yeah. Uh, that being said, let me read this to you KB in terms of what Villanova will actually have at its disposal in terms of, in terms of depth. They'll get their pro- so they'll play Gillespie, Samuels, Dixon, Slater, and, uh, and then Caleb Daniels will now become a starter, right? Yep. After that, you're looking at probably Chris Archer and Brian Antoine. Archie Diakono has played in 21.8% of the minutes this season, according to Ken Palm. Brian Antoine, just 12.3%. Now, Jay Wright specifically mentioned both of those players. You, I watched his appearance on PTI in the, earlier in the week, and those are the two guys he, he mentioned. So I'm going to take him at his word. But do you think we might have like a little bit of a an iron five deal? Like Carolina's got iron five. Yeah. You know, Hubert hasn't gone to the bench much. I kind of feel that might be the case, but the the element of this game that I'm most intrigued on is Villanova is one of the slowest teams in the country, 345th Mm. in adjusted tempo at Ken Palm, Kansas and Wright spoke to this on Thursday. Kansas will absolutely try and, you know, get this game upward of 68, 69, 70 possessions. Here's the breakdown in the tournament. So far, Kansas has played 75, 70, 69, 72 possessions. Villanova, has played 61, 59, 62. There's that damn horn. <laughs> you got to be kidding me with this. I told you. I warned you. Apologize. Nova, 61, 59, 62, and 58 possessions. Your expectations for how this game is played. Does Villanova win the tempo battle? And how does Jay Wright handle not having all that deep of a bench going up against Kansas?
1: I think, I think Kansas will be able to dictate pace. This is going to be a track meet. And... Villanova is not going to be happy with that. Obviously Uh, Jay Wright talked a a little bit about this on Thursday saying, you know, he wants to try and post up some of his guards. They're going to try and play slow. They are one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball, losing Justin Moore, their, their minutes leader on the season. I do think that Villanova is fully aware that one of their best players is down. Now, Caleb Daniels is going to step in and I think he's going to have a, have a really good game in this one, but Villanova already has a pretty short rotation, as it is. You're losing Justin Moore and inserting Caleb Daniels. Now you're going to have to rely on Archie Diacono and, and Brian Antwine off the bench. Those are really good players, but uh, they're they're not exactly guys that I don't think they're going to be relying on for, for 20, 25 minutes. So uh, Kansas is really good when they're running in transition. Christian Brown is, is a really good transition player. Um, if, if Villanova is able to slow this game, then I think it's going to be, I kind of think it'll be a Remy Martin game,
0: where he's going to be relied on. Do we think? Do I? Do we think? Over? Okay. How about this? And I want your feedback in the chat for everyone watching. If I go over under eleven point five points for Remy Martin in this game, what are you saying? Over. I'm taking the over. Um, he's he's been really good. Now
1: he he had, you know, a, a single digit scoring performance against Miami, but he scored 23 earlier this term He scored 20 uh, in another game. I, I feel like he has been consistently their, their most productive player. We just got our 69th, like continue. Nice. And when plays break down, O'Chaik Baji can, can attack the basket. Christian Brown can attack the basket, but no one, I don't think can quite create their own shot. Like Remy Martin can for Kansas. And, if this thing turns into a slog and Villanova is able to kind of yuck up the game, Remy's going to be huge. I think he's going to be really, really important to what they do. Um, regardless, I, I do think he'll end up having a, a big game just because he's had a great NCAA tournament run so far. Sure. Take the
0: over or under? Uh, I, I, I hate this over under. Hammer it. Over. Hammer it. Hammer it. KB saying, "Hammer it, hammer the over. If you're into that kind of thing, smash the over. (laughs) Smash it." Brandon Diggs. True or false? The most valuable player to any single team in this Final Four is Colin Gillespie. Any any of the four? False. Why is it false? Who's the most valuable? He's been
1: good, but But he's like. The, the, uh, You're talking and, about combination of leadership experience. Just, you know, who's yeah. the most
0: valuable player? Who's the most valuable player to their team of the four that are here? Is it, I'm just you know since we're talking this game, I'm just wondering if you think it's Colin Gillespie or if it's someone else? Palo
1: Bancaro from you Duke.
0: Palo I do you think Paolo Bancaro on a team filled with NBA draft picks is more valuable than Colin Gillespie running the point for Villanova? Ab- absolutely. Right, Tell the people why.
1: Undoubtedly. I mean, what he's what he's doing for Duke is is pretty special. Um, I think we'll be looking back in this a few years is like. the the Carmelo Anthony run for Syracuse, like he's averaging 18 and a half points per game, seven rebounds. Um, His ability to, to grab and go and transition is, is really opening up Duke's offense. And when he's charging to the rim and attacking and not settling for deep shots, it opens up a lot of things for this Duke team. This offense right now, number one in Ken Palm and adjusted offensive efficiency, by the way, his, yeah. So he, Palo Vecaro grew up as a guard, right? So he's, he's already got like the guard skill, the guard mentality, hit a few Grossbergs. Now he's 6'10, 250. But when he, when he is able to grab the ball and attack the rim, he's not just a guy who's going to shoot it. Like his ability to pass out of those positions, I think, has really elevated Duke's offense to a new level. I think he's their best passer. Uh, he's not a point guard, but he's mm-hmm. acting like kind of a point forward. Um, his importance, I think, to Duke can't be understated. It feels like he is always coming up with clutch shots when Duke needs it, and they haven't really needed it because they're
0: they're kind of rolling right now. All right, we'll talk more on Duke and Carolina in just a minute, but we'll circle back here with with Villanova, Kansas, because it's just incredible that we th- this is the undercard, Villanova, Kansas, yeah. man, it's awesome. This yeah. is this is uh, that's as good of a first game in a national semifinal as you could ask for, you know, considering that you know how big and how big of a headliner Duke Carolina is. I think Gillespie is the most valuable player because he runs the point because he's a veteran guy. I shared this anecdote on CBS sports HQ earlier on Friday. I was talking to Jay Wright after the Providence win earlier in the season when Villanova won at Providence, really, really good game. And he shared an anecdote about how, you know, Villanova has this lineage of guards, obviously, um, from Ryan Archidiacono, you know, Jalen Brunson. And, yeah, it goes even beyond that. But the point is, you know, for years and years now, there's been this succession of players where, you know, the next point guard or the backup point guard comes in and they learn and they, frankly, uh, they they get their ass kicked in in preseason practice. And so Gillespie was, you know, a CAA-level kind of recruit, if that. It's Mm -hmm. wild. Um, And no one – that was a highly rated point guard was going to go to Villanova when Brunson was there because they didn't want to play behind him because at that point he was going to play in one more season. I think that's the way that Jay Wright laid out the timeline for me, and so that's why Gillespie was able to go there. He just you know he didn't care, and they they actually planned to redshirt him uh, for his first season. And so they they you know they get into summer workouts and they get into preseason practice, and the plan is to redshirt this this new guy that nobody knows. His name is Colin Gillespie and he's getting just, you know, beat up and toasted and roasted in practice. And the whole time, like the Colin Gillespie you see now and have seen in recent years, that's who he was at 18 years old. And so behind yeah. the scenes, like Jay Wright seeing how he's responding, he's he's never wilting. He's, yeah, he's, he's getting beat in practice and he's going through it, but he's responding well. There's never a complaint. There's never a, you know, coach, why this, why that? There's none of that, KB, yeah. none of it. And so Jay went to his staff and was like, we can't redshirt him. He's, 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 he's better significantly than we thought he would be. And so, you know, that kind of sets up his whole college career here. He has an MCL tear last year. He's not in the tournament. He comes back and he just is as steady flat line of a player as we have in this tournament, as we might have in the sport. It's, it's truly wild to, to me how Gillespie has just no pulse whatsoever and because he plays the point guard position and he's a clear leader and now they need him even more because yeah. Justin Moore isn't available. I think his play, he needs to have a good game. If you tell me, listen, guys, I, I promise you that when we get to the end of Villanova, Kansas, I'm not going to give you the score, but I'm going to say Gillespie is in single digit shoots worse than 45% has five turnovers. I'm going to tell you, Villanova has like a 5% chance at best of winning that game. I think he has to play well. It it is imperative. Now, it's not just him, but he will need to play well. Gillespie on the season shooting 41% from three. Villanova is not a top-tier three-point shooting team. It ranks 61st in the nation, making 35.7% of its three-point shots. The other good three-point shooter is Caleb Daniels who's a 38% three-point shooter, he'll need to play well. And then I kind of want I think Brandon Slater is the guy – if Villanova can win or keep it close, I think that Slater is the guy in this game that's most likely to be the guy we're talking about if Nova wins, yeah. just in terms of doing all of the little things. And they will need – the other element to keep an eye on this, and I'll get to Kansas in just a second, for the Villanova side is they will need someone to step up significantly from a, uh, from a statistical standpoint. Will it be – you know, Dixon's going against McCormick. He's been a really good player. I, the Dixon McCormick matchup to me is one of the biggest mysteries in this game overall. But I think it's I think it's going to be Slater. Like, I, if if Villanova can win the game, he's the guy that maybe we look up and it's like, look at him, man, yeah. 14, 14, eight and four or whatever, and he went a long way toward doing it. Um, now, call me a sucker
1: for a storyline, but yeah. I'm I'm all in
0: on Caleb Daniels just having
1: a heck of a game. You New, know, what? New Orleans native.
0: Yes, and I taught real quick. Yeah. Just because I talked with Kellen Sampson here in, in, in New Orleans from Houston, associate head coach. Um, he said he basically said, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he basically was like, Man, Caleb Daniels is an absolute dude. He is a dude. We knew like we knew how good he could be, but he was so much more physical and imposed his will on the game yeah. than we anticipated. And this is Houston we're talking about here. So to your point, you know, coaches would agree. Yeah. Continue.
1: No, I mean, Caleb Daniels is going to be put in the starting lineup for the third time all season, most likely, on on Saturday night. He's a New Orleans native, um, probably going to be starting in place of Justin Moore. Jay Wright on Thursday talked about, like, how crazy it is that Caleb Daniels is even in this position. So he got COVID once, then he got COVID again, and then he got myocarditis, which is an effect that some people get when they get infected with COVID. Right. Um, Jay Wright said he did not do anything, not even shoot free throws from April through September, April through September. And to be where he's at now playing so far as one of the most important players on a final four team. And now he's going to be a starter. He's coming back to his hometown in new Orleans, uh, where he played just down the road to start his college career uh yeah again i'm a sucker for a storyline but i really feel like he he could be in for a big game i can't
0: decide on this break it down for us Expect well how should bill self approach this game you know it's my belief that we've got really really good coaches here but from a tactical standpoint from an x and o from an in-game adjustment your slobs your blobs all the design i think bill self is the best that's who you ask coaches in the industry you say listen it's it's a blanket five guys against a blanket other five guys you get the four coaches that are here and you get 30 minutes of prep time who you take and i think bill self narrowly wins that uh so with that in mind expectations on kansas side who's going to play well and how do you think uh, the jayhawks should approach this game
1: yeah i'm curious to see what bill self does with david mccormick i think that's kind of the the unknown and the x factor in this game kansas has played very very well when they're playing small ball lineups but
0: Can you hear that thing right now? You've got to be kidding me. Keep it going, KB. They might not be able to hear it off mic, but I got. I just. I'm just curious if you can hear it. It's, it's obviously not. Not. I. Who knows why it's happening. The small ball lineup for
1: Kansas has has paid off in a big way for Bill Self. Villanova, mostly has to play small ball right I mean their biggest Jermaine Samuels who's six foot seven has been basically their big man defender he's been he's been guarding like yeah. Hunter Dickinson seven footer um I'm curious if self is tempted to say hey let's see what David McCormick does out there and it mm-hmm. doesn't end up working out but he knows he has the size advantage and stubbornly keeps playing him because I think Kansas small ball lineup is kind of their death lineup like that is really really good with Jalen Wilson Christian Brown Ochai Um, so that's, that to me, I think is curious, I'm curious to see what Kansas does there and how they allot their minutes and what David McCormick's role will be. I, I'm pretty confident in thinking that Kansas is going to want to play as fast as possible, knowing that Villanova likes to play slow, slow, knowing that Villanova right now is basically entering this game on like a five and a half man rotation, um, especially with, with Justin Moore gone. I think keeping that in mind, um, that's that's most likely how I think Kansas will end up trying to attack this game. Even Jay Wright said on Thursday, Kansas will probably be the fastest and quickest team they've played against. And I think Villanova is kind of expecting that they will, uh, they will try to
0: meet on KU's terms. I don't know if it's necessary for Kansas to win. But for one player for me specifically, I, I almost feel like kind of got to get a good Jalen Wilson game here. Yeah. He's been really good. I I I feel like that might you know Remy. I, I think I don't know if Remy's play is depending. Like uh, Ochai needs to have a good game. You'd have to think. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that Kansas going small would not be beneficial to them. You yeah. uh, know they're going to want to run, and I think they'll try. But I think Villanova will ultimately like mark me down. Mark me down for sixty five possessions in this game. I think Villanova slightly wins that that battle, but Jalen Wilson coming up big in this spot he might be uh he might be the guy that we're talking about more than any other one maybe i don't know maybe not he's he can be a little bit a little bit like this a little up and down there but
1: how about jay Wright on uh thursday comparing jalen wilson to josh hart villanova legend josh hart a bigger that's josh hart that's a big time comparison yeah and and wilson's been huge i mean he's their most important rebounder um at his size like he's a very talented like that is a skill set that is absolutely paid off for kansas
0: Let's pick this game, KB. Let me. It. I'm checking right now. I'm checking the CBS Sports app, which you should have on your phone and all your devices if you don't already. It's how you read stories. Watch HQ. You can't watch the podcast on the app. We got to work on that. But that's why you watch it on YouTube. Hey, YouTube. Hey. How about this real quick? I'm not going to name names, but we were we were at one of these name Final em. Four. And I'm not naming names. Name I am going to name one name, actually. Name them. I'm going to name them because there's a head coach – who loves the podcast and loves Gary Parish shouts to Mike Martin at Brown, huge, huge podcast guy. He's not the only one, but he's, he loves it. He texts me as like, I can't get enough Gary Parish in my life. I don't know what it is about this guy, but I love him. So yeah, I'm calling out Mike Martin right now. Now there were other coaches I saw last night that they love Parish doing the Hey YouTube thing. (laughs) I'm not, again, I'm not with GP. All right. So I, 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 last night, we're just going around. We're seeing some fellas. You were with me at this point, but you weren't next to me. This is a, this is a, this is a coach in his late 50s or 60s. And like the first thing he says to, says to me is, hey, YouTube. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is my life right now. This is my life. This is, and, and, and then I've got another coach in his late 50s going, smashing it like Brandon Davies. I'm like, this is Unbelievable. What's happening here? I'm actually having this conversation with you about this. Incredible. GP, you are missed. I assume you're alive. Again, he's got CBS Sports Network stuff the entire day. There's the open practices. There's the Reese's All-Star Game. He's going to be on CBS Sports Network throughout the day. He is here for you post-game. Don't worry. And we got plenty more. GP and I will be on the podcast together plenty uh, throughout the rest of the weekend there. Okay, so I wanted to pick the uh, pick the game. I want to see the lines on the CBS Sports app here. Um but that really was a surreal moment when I when I got these head these are head coaches, accomplished men, not naming names. Hey, YouTube! Goodness gracious, it's just incredible. Um, let's see here. Scores wise, bring it up. I could have prepped for this, but you know what? The Laval thing it twisted me. I believe it's KU minus four. I guess. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, oh, we have oh. All right. So right now, KU minus four and a half. Okay. Pick a winner and pick against a spread, KB. KU, KU. I think this game has the most
1: likely chance to be a complete blowout. Um, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I do think at some point Villanova's depth or lack thereof is is going to hurt. I know you're looking at me like Colin Gillespie the goat, and I get it. I I didn't say the goat. I get it. I get it. Uh, It's Villanova. It's Jay Wright. Uh, but Kansas is deeper. I think they're more talented. Coaching, probably a draw. Maybe Villanova. Give me a final score. Kansas wins 77-70.
0: 77? 77-70. I'm looking. Hold on. Let me see here. The last time. The last time. So, the last time a team got 77 on Villanova this season. Hold on. I'm checking. This is after Villanova's. Last two opponents were both held around There hasn't been a team got – I'm looking right now. Yeah. Connecticut got 71 on them. Uh, Marquette got 83 on them on February 2nd. That's the last time a team got as many as 77 in a game against Kansas. I will take Kansas to win. I will take Villanova to cover. I think Villanova winning this game is a very distinct possibility. Oh, absolutely. Uh, It's 100% on the table there. Um, Again, they met in 2018, different roster situations, all that – Give me Kansas – I will go Kansas 69, Villanova 67. Kansas 69, Villanova 67, Jayhawks move on to play in the national championship game. Let's talk – let's talk Duke Carolina since everyone else refuses to do that. Yeah. Carolina, Iron 5, it's had four players, Baycott, R.J. Davis, Caleb Love – Brady Manick, they've all had a game where they've led UNC in scoring in this NCAA tournament. Also, those four guys, when these teams last played at Cameron Indoor, they all had 20 or more points. It was the first time in the history of UNC's program that four players had 20 or more in a game. Uh, They'll need to come up big, obviously, in this spot. I can't wait to see what these players say when they're asked again about this game and try and shrug it off. High hilarity trying to downplay that this is just another game. High hilarity. Um, expectation. Let's start with Carolina, UNC side. How is Hubert Davis going to approach this game? Who's going to step up? And if Carolina is to win, how are they going to do it? Yeah, I think this is going to have to be where RJ
1: Davis and Caleb Love are just awesome together. Armando Baycott had an amazing game against the Peacocks of St. Peter's 20 points, 22 rebounds. But I think to win, in this game, Caleb Love is going to have to be like supernova Caleb Love. And he's showed he can do that in the NCAA tournament. It's It yeah. doesn't happen very often. You kind of live and die with Caleb Love sometimes. But I think if he drops 20 points and, it, and does it decently efficient, um, UNC is going to have a chance. RJ Davis, I, I trust, will have a good game distributing the ball, shooting the ball. Um, X-Factor, I think, is going to be Brady Manic, who has been the X-Factor the entire Boy tournament. The trail threes, pick and pop. Uh, Hubert Davis is going to put him in a situation where he is going to have a chance to keep shooting and keep UNC in this game. I think this will be a really close game. You do. I, I don't do want to pick do. North
0: Carolina. I can't do it. You, well, well, hold on. We're, we'll get there. Okay. All right. All right. I'm so not you, you like Carolina Duke to be a better chance of being a close game than Kansas Nova. I do. Okay. Um, I anticipate. Of the four, and we're gonna shouts to Leaky Black, of course. We've had some requests for GP and I to actually get a photo with Leaky Black. I will I, here. Listen, if I can make this happen today, I absolutely will. It's a matter I gotta I gotta be in the same spot as Parrish, and we gotta be in the same spot as Leaky Black at the same time because it's not gonna happen tomorrow. The uh, Carolina would need to win, and then maybe on Sunday we can make it happen. But if Carolina loses, it's gotta happen today here. So we'll see on that. I don't know. Yes, I would like to have a photo of me, GP and Leaky Black together 100%. We'll see if we can get it done. I will, I'm will. i just telling the audience right now, I will I will earnestly try and, and accomplish that, but it might not be the easiest thing. These players have, you know, there's tight schedules. we got to get them during the open practice. If it's going to happen, that's where it's going to happen. Leaky Black's perimeter defense is going to be huge in this game, Unquestionably. I wonder who he's going to get assigned to and if that assignment gets changed up because the three best defenders in this game, Mark Williams, ACC Defensive Player of the Year, then Leakey, then Wendell Moore Jr. Those are your top three defenders, in my opinion, in this matchup overall. On Carolina's side of things, I'll be interested to see if they if they can have a collective the way they did at Duke or if you might have Brady Manick being the guy that steps up yeah. big in the spot. R.J. Davis is unafraid. Dude just simply does not care. And I say that in a, in a complimentary way. He will attack and attack and attack He's got an unending confidence to him that I think is going to be necessary in a game like this. And then Armando Baycott, you know, he's just been an absolute beast, a beast. I think I think Baycott's going to be – maybe he gets a lot of his production off, off the boards. I feel like he's – even more than love, he's the biggest target for Duke from a defensive standpoint. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's most likely that he has the best game for Carolina. I'll go with Manic. Because I think his shooting's going to be huge. They need it, no yes. doubt. They need it, no doubt about it. Love was out of his mind in the regional semis against against UCLA. Asking him to duplicate that will be will happening. be tough. Yeah. Um, all right, Duke. Real quick on the Duke side of things. Van Carroll going to be the biggest, best player on the floor for for the Blue Devils here. Because again, Duke has had all of its dudes play well every single game. Essentially, yep. there hasn't been a, a guy who's had a, a bad two game stretch in the entire tournament there. What is Coach Kane and staff going to do here?
1: Ben Carroll is going to be the most productive player. Mark Williams will be the most important player. Um, keeping Baycott off the boards, limiting UNC's chances to create second chance opportunities, which Baycott absolutely thrives on. He is always in someone's back, creating a chance to get offensive rebounds. Mark Williams will, will be vital to limit those opportunities. And then, affecting shots around the rim, Like he's done the entire NCAA tournament, whether that's blocking shots, whether that's affecting shots, just generally clogging the lane for North Carolina to not be able to get easy looks at the rim. Um, I think maybe he doesn't have the biggest stat line, but his presence in this NCAA tournament has been fabulous. I think he'll be the most important player for Duke. And I think he's the reason Duke advances to the
0: title game. He made the pick there. Uh, My quick thoughts on Duke here. Um, I think Williams' presence is going to be massive in this game, undeniably. He's been really, really good shooting up draft boards. This is really an opportunity. If Duke wins, like Williams could turn himself into like a, a bona fide like, you know, near-lock top ten pick. Keep an eye on that. Bancaro, I I, I I, inherently trust Bancaro in a situation like this. He has continued to get better and better and better and better. Uh, I do wonder if this is a spot for A.J. Griffin, and I wonder if we see Leaky Black assigned to him overall. And, you know, is this a spot where, like, I, you know, the final four, it's up to Brent Stover. Hey, Stover, have you seen Parrish? Where's Parrish? He's up there? <laughs> he's up there right now. Gary Parrish is up there. You Are you kidding me? We are podcasting live right now, and he's been in that building the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> he's just eating? He's just been eating for an hour straight. Yeah, it is live. Oh, oh, we are absolutely live. Should you get Parrish? Go get Parrish. No, we gotta leave off in like five minutes. But this (laughs) my man's been right there the whole time. Wow, that's a dagger. Unreal. Anyway, we're gonna wrap here in a second. I just can't believe he's right there. Unreal. He's right there. It's unbelievable. Um Trevor Keels in this spot. That's what I was gonna say. Sometimes you get these these final four stages where you do have I love when you get a player that's you know a good player, but you just don't see like that's the player that winds up being the MVP. Like, what if it's a Keels game? I don't know. I'm intrigued on that. Uh, and I just, I, my last thought in this game before we make the picks, you made your pick, I'll make mine. I do think, I do think that these teams, having gone through what they went through with all of the media hype of the last game in Cameron, Duke having this, you know, revenge factor to it, Carolina having the confidence of we, punt, we absolutely punked you in your house, but Duke can say, well, yeah, we did the same thing too. Yeah. There's so much around this that I do think that there are so many. It, it makes the game fairly unpredictable in terms of how it actually plays out. Yeah. I love that, that there's that backdrop and element to it. And to be clear, if Carolina beats Duke, uh, it is forever has the upper hand in the rivalry forever until the sun swallows this planet. (laughs) If Carolina gives coach K the L last game of the regular season, which happens, and then it ends his career in the final four, it's done. UNC's got it over Duke in perpetuity. Duke can win five straight national championships in John Shire's first five years carolina has that over them forever we forever. might we might wake up tuesday morning with 49 states in the u.s uh, i mean that uh, that's it's just wild uh, the line right now is duke minus four okay yeah i will take duke to win i'll take duke to cover we got to get scores here i'll get mine you can give yours i will say there's a good chance this is an entertain like a really 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 entertaining game uh up and down good tempo good scoring good shooting give me duke 85 unc 77 good game maybe just a little bit out of reach duke wins it covers i'm all too willing and able to be wrong carolina can win this i want to be clear about this unc can win this game that'll be quite the scene if it happens what's your final score guess
1: yeah i'm gonna go duke 72 north carolina 69 i don't think this will end up being the track meet that maybe we expect
0: so you have carolina covering
1: I do have carolina covering though and if north carolina wins it would not surprise me
0: okay well there you have it hello from fulton street in new orleans to everyone that's been watching on youtube thank you if you watch after the fact please make sure you hit the like button uh nada is an absolute superstar he's been producing remotely on site here we have many more podcasts coming for you we'll have a post game final four live breakdown on youtube saturday night deep into saturday night Parrish and i will then podcast we're either gonna gp and i will be here on set sunday or we will do it from our hotel rooms. It it very much depends on schedules and press conferences. There's a lot of moving pieces. But you will have a Saturday night, a Sunday, and then a late into the evening national championship recap one. So we got three more shows coming to you from New Orleans. Hope you all enjoyed it. This was a little bit of a different vibe here. Shouts to Shelvin Mack. He literally just walked out. I'm I'm waiting for Gary Parrish to walk out this door right now. I I think he's going to be upset. We have to get off in like 60 seconds. I see not in this. I want my man to walk out this door right now so I can curse him in public right can, here. Can
1: we hit a Hey, hey YouTube just for, for GP? I know he's watching.
0: Right? Hey YouTube! Hey, hey YouTube! It's GP's thing, though. I kind of feel bad. I don't do the shots. <laughs> Man, I can't. They're, they're, it's off camera, so you can't see it, but a stream of people keep walking out, and I. if Parish has to be on the air at 11, he should be walking out any minute there. I want him to, I want him to crash the set. <laughs> we got to wrap. We got to wrap. They say we got to go. Hey, thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. Download, subscribe, rate five stars, the whole deal. Enjoy the national semifinals, everyone. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite, cycling has Lance Armstrong, baseball has its steroid era, curling has. Broomgate.